Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Because by the time we get to week 14, there's been enough nonsense between week 7 and week 14 that I've forgotten all the nonsense from weeks 1 through 6. And this year is... That's a lot of nonsense. Yet another year where I didn't keep the calendar, and occasionally someone will say something about visors or something, and I'll go, oh yeah, I forgot about when visors were a big deal. Yes, I forgot visors, and I forgot watches, and then, you know, the funny so, part of this is, folks, we forgot something else. This... Remember? Yeah, I, yeah. It was Monday. Was <laughs> was the the? That's when I love you the best. When you start realizing where well, your true fandom, because you're our fan, and when uh, when you yeah. of the Browns. I mean, I you took a walk, but I think you reconciled. When Biner fumbled, when, <laughs> you took a walk, right? Tell the people. I took what I've referred to for years as the seven mile walk of shame. <laughs> It was a Sunday. I was in my basement, 825 Runkle, West Liberty, Ohio. It was a Sunday, so all I had my Sunday church dress shoes right there beside me. Biner fumbled. I, I think before the ball hit the ground, I had my shoes on, and I was out the door. And I remember my dad saying, where are you going? Because I was in the basement watching right. it on my little black and white TV. Yeah, yeah. I took a I took a seven mile walk. I was so mad, and I was like, "That's it, never again." They're never going to hurt me again. Well, of course, I was back in. You got sucked in. Who sucked you back in? Hugh? It wasn't Hugh. I think Butch Davis sucked me back in. Yeah. I think when they got to the playoffs, I'm like, "Okay, it's time to forgive and forget." It's going to be different. This isn't going to mean anything to you because I don't think you've ever watched a show, but I know there's people that listen to our podcast, and anybody that knows me, my favorite sitcom of all time is The King of Queens. I'm familiar with the it's, show. It's uh, Kevin... Kevin... Um, Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yeah. I can't think of his... Kevin I, I, James. Kevin James and Le- Leah Remini. Or Le- Leah Remini, yeah. Leah Remini. And it's a great show. And the chemistry on that show with them, I mean, I admire good acting. I just... I love that show. And there was this episode where they were going through a marriage counseling. And care- they're supposed to keep track of each other's screw-ups, right? And, <laughs> and Carrie... Carrie, who plays by Leah Remini, says, I, I can't keep track because every time I write one down, there's 15 more that are coming at me, and they just keep coming, and I can't keep track. He's already screwed up so many times. So it just reminded That's... me of Monday. That's why I found it so funny because I do relate a lot of things in my life to King of Queens episodes, and that to me was where I just can't keep track. I yeah. mean, I'm trying, and and you were so disappointed in yourself for not keeping the dysfunctional calendar of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Because and- there's so much stuff that happens early in the year that by the end of the year, you've forgotten. And so <laughs> you and I were talking about that on the podcast, and we mentioned we mentioned visors and shoes and helmet swinging and commercials and weed and, you know, all that stuff is Miles Garrett and Antonio Callaway. Then, and then you and thought about the watch. And then I went, oh, I forgot about the watch. And so... So then Spiels is walking outside. Yeah, yes. We're walking outside to Spiels' truck. And he goes, what about the owner's wife wearing a hat yeah. with Miles Garrett's number on it? And I'm like, see, I need to keep the calendar. I think you need to go back to doing that. Will you please go back to doing oh, that? And we'll, I'm, I'm going to start it. I am oh, gonna well, start here's it. And then gonna, we'll put it on the wall here. Yeah, and we'll put like a little, little T-shirt on there, a little shoe icon on there. And we'll be like, see, this is what back during week three. Here is going to be good news for you Browns fans, but then I'm going to end it with bad news. 
You want the good news yeah, first? Sure, please. The I've good news first news. is that the Browns fans and you, the Browns get the Bengals twice. Yes. The bad news is you're going to lose one of them. <laughs> that is a promise and a guarantee that you are going to lose one of them. And even worse news is I read your mind, and plus you already asked me this question. Will that be the end? Yeah, will that be the end? Of Freddie Kitchens? And my answer is no. Freddie Kitchens will be back. You will survive. Pittsburgh started it and the loss to Devlin Hodges and the loss to the brand that was it Brandon Allen in Denver? Yes. Think about this. They're, what are they, five and seven? Five and seven. Who? The Browns? The Browns. No, they're not. Are they? Aren't they five and seven? No, I think they're. Six and six, aren't they? No, they would have been six and six if they beat the Steelers. I think they're five and seven. Look it up. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, go ahead. Do you realize if they had all they would have had to do, they could have still done all their nonsense. If they would have beaten two guys making their first NFL starts, and if they would have beaten Marcus Mariota, who's been benched, at home, if they would have beaten the Titans at home in the season opener. As usual, you're correct. On the they would be eight and four, and they would yeah. be in the playoffs. They don't have to do anything superhuman. They just have to beat lousy teams on backup quarterbacks. The Titans have gone five and one since Ryan Tannehill got in. Mariota, who's been benched, beat them by 40 in Cleveland. Yeah. Oh. I predicted ten and six. I still can get close if they win out nine and seven. I don't they're think they'll win out. They're not winning in Arizona. They're not. You don't, you they're don't not think winning so? in Arizona next week. No. I I assume they're going to win this week. Although is this the week? Are you predicting? No. The Bengals? Uh, well, if the Bengals I, yeah. beat them at home, if the Bengals no, beat them in Cleveland, Kitchens the, is done. The Bengals will beat them in Cincinnati. Okay. And I, the Bengals are you know the Bengals would have won three games if they would have hung in there with Andy Dalton. I really believe. I think you're right. I think I, I, you know, and and I get why you want to take a look at Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton. I think his contract is up. I don't know if he's. They can bring him back. It's it's not that his contract is up. It's that his final year. It's it's very affordable to cut him. It's, it's okay. Yeah, that's so, what it is. We we'll wouldn't see. take a big cap hit. For we'll him. see what he is, and it's a credit to Andy Dalton. I think is how he's handled yeah. that whole situation. But they were basically going to have a revolt on their hands if they did not start. Andy Dalton, because the players in the locker room know. They know who gives them the best chance to win. Better chance the Bengals win Sunday in Cleveland or that Wisconsin Bengals win Sunday in Cleveland, yes. (laughs) Or what if I said, or Wisconsin comes within 10? Uh, I I don't see it. I don't see Wisconsin coming within 10 in you know, I, I want to say that Ohio State is is Ohio State is ripe for an upset, but this team has shown so much maturity throughout the year, and the leadership of it has been outstanding. And I have a lot of faith in Ryan Day's game planning. But I, I do want to go back to the Browns, Bruce. And you said if this, if that, if they could have eliminated all the distractions, they would be seven and five. Oh, or, uh, or eight and four at this point in time. Look, they're good and enough to says, beat Baltimore yeah. in Baltimore. Nobody, well, I, I just don't understand why nobody owns it. And maybe they are saying it behind closed doors. Like, I, you made a pitch about a job that you'd be great at, and I think you would be crisis management, Dysfun- uh, executive VP in charge of dysfunction prevention. That's right. my official Browns 
wannabe title. And, and my dream job would be to go to NFL teams, spend two or three weeks with said team, and look at all their game film, watch them operate, then give them a report on what somebody sees that's not invested in the program. Yeah, an objective view. An objective view that doesn't have an investment in the program. The only thing I'm doing it for is money and my reputation of knowing what I'm talking about. And the first big headline I would put would be, this team is a one, two, three, me. It's all about the individual. It's a lack of insight. It's a lack of self-awareness of who they are. It's a lack of priorities. They speak yeah. a great game as far as team and togetherness and love and all that, but their actions show none of that. It's all the individual from the owner down to the Whatever, the lowest rung in the building. Hey, the GM also has a one, two, three, look at me quality with the silly wearing the same sweatshirt all the time when it's 85 degrees out or 95 degrees out and coming in there and talking about I'm going to bring in real football players and, you know, just John Dorsey loves him some John Dorsey. Yeah, there's yeah. ego involved in, in all that. But, uh, I just think that the, the best teams are able, and Frank Gans, who I refer to as often, the biggest influence on me as far as a professional goes and how I approach my professional life, whether it's football, broadcasting, um, uh, whatever, as a player, if I ever get into coaching, consulting, whatever, he had the best saying of it all. He said, the great teams are always able to kill the selfish beast inside of each other. They kill that selfish beast for one common goal. And the Browns will not do that because what's more important to a lot of those Browns players are endorsements, are making sure that nobody's going to tell me how to act or what to do. Nobody's going to fall in line with me. Now, I get you don't want to take the You mean the whole... like say you wear a watch and you get fined yeah. and then you say, I'm going to wear this watch no matter what. You mean like if somebody gives you a Pittsburgh started a t-shirt and you say, you know, I know I shouldn't wear it, but I'm going to wear it out in public. I'll wear a coat over it. Yeah. And then when you're asked about it after the game, say, no, I'd do it again. Or you mean like when you're Jarvis Landry and you get a touchdown to open the game and you go and like snap at your Miami Dolphins former teammates and you get a penalty that causes Cousin you to move me. back and miss a PAT and after the game you say, no, no, I'd do that again yeah. because the edge I bring is important. Yeah. So there's three examples from the Browns this year That's where they it. did something was really stupid. It brought, if not a causal relationship to a loss, it brought unnecessary attention to something that had nothing to do with football. And all three of them had an opportunity to say, yep, that was a mistake. And, and in hindsight, I won't do it again. And all three of them said, no, I'm going to do it again. They're not talented enough. They're a talented team. They're not talented enough to overcome that, where there are some teams that are talented enough to overcome that. But there's a fine line in the NFL between winning and losing. For example, I'll go to my beloved Detroit Lions, mm -hmm. who are 3-8-1. and one. Ooh, ouch. And this is talking about the fine line. That I think this is true, that at some point throughout the season, the Lions have led, led in every ball game. Wow. In 12 games, they've had to lead. 
So this just a, there's just a fine line between winning and losing, and all those little things that people think aren't a difference, they are a difference. They are a difference. With Baker Mayfield getting in a fight with Tony Grossi, what purpose does that serve? Yeah. Why? Why are you? I, no disrespect. But how to about Tony. his wife? Did you know his wife got in a Twitter spat with Mary Kay Cabot? No, I just tweeting don't. at her after the game. So what are you asking about T-shirts for? It has nothing to do with anything. It has everything to do with everything. It's a fair question, Mary Kay asks. Mary it's, Kay it's, does a good job. It's, it's a fair question. No, it is It is a fair question because they make it a story. Yeah, they do. The reporters don't make it a story. The teams make it a story. You don't have to – I've learned how to deal with the press when I was a player. You don't have to answer their questions. You can either say no comment or I would take the, the, uh, the question and answer it the way I wanted to answer it. You were Trestle before Trestle. I was. Kudos, no, no. But I mean, I tried to be honest and fair. Yeah. But if 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 I did, if I felt like an answer would harm a teammate or harm the team, I would say no comment, or I would I would put deflect it somewhere else. Which is that's the game we all play. That's the game you played when you were a beat reporter. Yep. That's the game that I play or coaches play. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. As a reporter, I was I was aware of. Here's what I think is going on with a situation. So I didn't start with the question about that situation. I started with a question that I thought, okay, then I'm going to get the guy to walk a little closer to that result and a little closer to that result with my next question and a little closer to that sure. result with my next that's question. That's your job. And so that's my job. And if the player or the coach is not savvy enough to figure it out, then, you know, eventually I got them into the corner where they had no – way of admitting anything other than that but you are certainly within your right as a player or coach to say no I know where you're going and I'm not going there I'm going to answer it the way I want to answer it right I got to tell you I am extremely excited about you wanting to be an NFL consultant because you know how much I have wanted to be an NFL consultant I think you and I could put together you could handle the football side and I could go in and I could handle the media side and give yeah. a media seminar on, hey knucklehead this is how you answer the yeah. question or hey this is what I see with you you know where you and I'd really be good sitting in on draft interviews that they have with guys. Because yeah. I think you and I would – because what those guys see, they're all trying to assess, do they love football or not? Will they be the kind of guy – you and I have a pretty good detector on – no, no, he said that. That's a warning sign, oh brother. And a lot of them would be like, yeah, but he runs a 4-2. Yeah. No, you and I would be like, yeah, he's going to be all running right. a 4-2, and you're going to be chasing him to like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He's going to be running a 4-2 towards Get trouble. I – I got an observation. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. Now, this is reality setting in. You know how oftentimes we make fun of people on Twitter? What are you doing? You're sitting in the basement with all the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are we? (laughs) Think about that. Yeah. Oh, my. (laughs) At least it's not our mom's basement. It's mine. Oh. At least one of us owns the basement. That's right. We're that's, one step I, above the dude right. sitting in I, his mom's basement. I remodeled this basement. So there we go. <laughs> Me and Champion Basement. But that doesn't system. mean we don't have good advice that's to right. offer. It doesn't. Uh, oh, so I'm... let's. So let's, in the interest of you know, hopefully a, com- uh, a, a at least a somewhat compelling game, uh, and in the spirit of analysis. What can Wisconsin do Saturday night? They got to start with a different game plan, and I would say you got to start with how are we going to block Chase Young, how are we going to stop Chase Young, and sure. I, did Michigan give a blueprint on no, what to I, do I, with Chase Young? I, I thought they well, they did a great job on Chase. I thought Chase was 
a little uh, what I saw in Penn State, and it was different because it was a home crowd. That uh, against Penn State, he was unblockable because he was getting off the ball so fast, dude. Mm-hmm. That that and just a little difference. I didn't think he was getting off the ball as fast on the road, which is common, right? I mean, because you know you have the crowd noise. Obviously, hopefully there'll be a great Buckeye contingent there. And oh, yeah, when Ohio right. State's defense is on the field, I want to encourage all the Ohio State fans to go nuts and crazy. You want to know an active role that you can participate in to help your team and help Chase Young be as loud as you can when Wisconsin has the ball because that will affect whether an offensive lineman can hear or not hear. Uh, and I thought Runyon, 75, I thought he did a, a pretty good job, and they chipped him and doubled him a little bit. I don't think they were holding him like some people on Twitter were complaining. I, I just think that, for me, when Chase was getting off the ball against Penn State, he's unblockable. I think he was a little slow off the ball against Michigan, and I think the fans, I don't know if Chase would agree with that assessment. That's just my thing that I noticed that I wrote down uh, right after. So we'll see. But he can, he's one of those players that the, the fans, I'm telling you, fans, if you're listening, to it, you can really help Chase Young if you're as loud as you can be when Wisconsin has, uh, has the ball. Now, for Wisconsin, you got to get Jonathan Taylor involved, and I've been preaching this from I don't know thousands of years. You got to run to throw as opposed to, to you throw. throw to run. Thank you, throw, throw to, to run. run. Thank you, and just quick passes and, and try to frustrate Ohio State and just to kind of uh, get rid of the ball. Don't give Chase Young a chance to get there. Maybe you can get Ohio State to move one of those linebackers out of the box and hopefully get a numbers matchup that you want to try to run the ball. Uh, for them to have any chance of winning. You have to have Jonathan Taylor's got to go for at least one thirty, my opinion. I would think so at can they play action with Jonathan Taylor and and throw it, or does that take too much time to get into the throwing? That's a act it's a long time because then that gives Chase Young and Robert Landers yeah. and Devon Hamilton and I, I got to include those guys because I think the two <laughs> interior guys at Ohio State are phenomenal and yeah, don't get enough credit. They've been great. And they, whoever else is lining up at the other defensive end, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. uh, we got a question about Jonathan Cooper. Did he make a mistake? And I was surprised and, that he played. I mean, after I heard his reasoning, and Jonathan Cooper had one more game to play. He's going to redshirt and come back next season. He had one more game to play, and I thought, okay, well, he's going to play it in the first playoff game because you can't wait till the second playoff game. You might not get there. Right. He played it against Michigan, and he his logic was, I wanted to go play with the guys I was recruited with against Michigan my final time. You know what? That tells me this stuff Ohio State players yeah. say about beating <laughs> yes. Michigan, even though you'd think it was just as an old and tired and – foregone conclusion no it means something to those guys yeah. if he's choosing to play against michigan over a playoff berth that was something somebody said you know should he have played in a playoff well, john it's jonathan cooper's decision he can play wherever he wants to play or when he wants to yeah play. and well the coaches i mean it, the ohio state quite frankly has a luxury of having future 20, all, future, 20 <laughs> defensive ends future all americans yeah. hey he's gonna play john i mean so yeah sure you want to play in michigan game sure. go ahead we'll use tokyo and friday yeah. and tyreek smith and harrison and, uh, zach harrison sure yeah. oh gee we'll have to go with only four deep at that spot so i looked at the all big 10 defense but i don't know who put it out in uh i was a little disappointed because i thought really ohio state probably could have had eight guys lee harrison all. jordan fuller chase young 
and well, he, Malik was a Jeff backup, Okuda. second team. Oh, he's first team. Well, cut what, whatever. I mean, there's so many, but you could have had Hamilton eight. was third team. I'm like, there <laughs> yeah, are not. Okay. There are not uh, yeah. eight better defensive linemen no. in the Big Ten and Devon. I, I get it. You know, everybody gets a trophy thing, yeah. but on the offense, I, I thought all of Ohio State's offensive line should have been first team. That comes out. Uh, uh, that came out Wednesday night. Uh, the there offense. were a couple other ones, like yeah. the PFF or whatever. I don't know. Um, okay, so. Let's see, let's go to emails. You can email the show, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. And the first one comes from our old friend, Brett, uh, who, man, I remember Brett from our very first, my very first golf outing at the fan down, I think, at Blackhawk, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, Brett and Big Tony. Uh, Brett uh, was with the Ohio National Guard, uh, Air National Guard, I believe. He says, uh, Bruce, I just wanted to thank you for introducing me to the musical artist Zach Williams at the end of the uh, faith portion of your podcast. I'd not heard of him, but rest assured he's now part of my playlist. Some very powerful music. You know I'm a fan of your sports work that you guys do together, but the faith portions of your podcast are an inspiring addition. Dana, my wife and I, were hit by an EF4 tornado that went through the Dayton area last Memorial Day night. And needless to say, the power of prayer was in full force. We lost our house, cars, etc., but our faith never wavered. It was a miracle from God that not a single person met their demise that night. Enjoying your podcast, you and Spiels are a natural tandem. Thank you, uh, Brett. We appreciate that very much. Good to Um, hear from you, by the way. Yes, it is uh, good to hear from you. Uh, Martin says the uh, line of the week is that Chris's T-shirts gave him an I would flex, but I like this (laughs) T-shirt. I laugh uh, at my own jokes too, Martin. LOL, yes. fantastic. And I'll add one that I could only dream of wearing. But wait, it would be even funnier if I wore it. Yeah, it would. Uh, uh, you, you, you actually did. You actually laughed out loud. That at was that. a very funny t shirt. Yeah, I'll wear very, it next podcast. Very, very, very funny t-shirt my um, wife when i don't have a self-awareness she said uh you're not wearing that outside the house yeah <laughs> not even with a coat on like yeah kitchens yeah, yeah. My, but my kids gave it to me yeah but exactly. still i don't care you're not wearing it outside the house uh here is uh another from uh, james he says on saturday's podcast bruce asked this question fair question uh is the uh, michigan ohio state rivalry getting old uh, this is uh, more of martin's email i'm sorry yeah my answer is a resounding no. I'm a Notre Dame grad who grew up in Ohio and an OSU fan. Two best college football rivalries, NDUSC, OSU-Michigan. Um, that said, I have a question for you and Chris. I've gotten the sense over time the last 20 years or so that this game is a bigger game for OSU fans than it is for Michigan fans. What do you think? Maybe simply because of the sheer population of Columbus as opposed to Ann Arbor. I don't know. my off base? No, I don't think you're off base. I think it is. I think uh, Michigan, first of all, Michigan fancies itself to be like some – Harvard of the Big Ten. I don't know Ohio State's getting that way, too. Um, Michigan takes that out when they don't win. It's like, well, we're about academics. We're about that. <laughs> when they yeah. win, it's like, yeah. So, I, yeah. you know, I think it's just, look, when you get eight in a row, 15 of 16, yeah. you got to say something so you can get through the rest of your day. Yeah. Uh, I agree. They, they also deal with the Michigan State rivalry yep. up there. And the Notre Dame rivalry. Yeah. So, there's parts of... All that there's, but it's clearly special to Ohio State. Ryan Day said the other day, you can't imagine walking in the facility with all the OSU Michigan stuff around and having to live with the disappointment of losing that game. Yeah, there is a responsibility. I don't know if Michigan yeah. feels that responsibility. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say that I don't think it's, a, I don't think amongst the players and coaches, it's the same uh, feeling of responsibility to to win that game as it is in, in in Columbus. I'm not saying it's not important. I just don't think it reaches the level it does here at Ohio State. I'm trying to think back. I was going to say no Ohio State coach could survive being 0-5 against Michigan. Coop, 88, 89, 90, um, 92. I think he was 0-4-1. I think 92 was 
Herbie's senior year, 13-13, and that was the uh, famous Gordon Gee to me in the end zone. I said, Gordon, is this enough to keep uh, Coach Cooper here? And he said, this ties our greatest win ever. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, well, it meant that I don't have to fire John Cooper is what it meant. <laughs> uh, so that's where we are, Ohio State-Wisconsin. They'll kick it off at 8 o'clock. College football playoff rankings will be released Sunday. Browns and Bengals on Sunday. Where are you Sunday, sir? Detroit, Minnesota. Detroit, Minnesota. Min- at Minnesota. At so Minnesota. two uh, two teams that I know very well. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Uh, Stover Farms Custom Meats. You'll look forward to uh, sampling their delicious steaks. Order your Christmas turkey now. They have chicken and turkeys uh, grown just like their Angus beef on their farm in Lexington or the Lexington area. Cade Stover, of course, Buckeye linebacker, defensive end, Mr. Football. He was raised on Stover Farms Custom Meats. Trevor, his father, processes a side of Angus beef every week, brings it down to his retail store, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. And you, as a Spielman and Hooley listener, if you mention that, will get a free pound of hamburger for every pound you buy. So load up for the winner, and you'll... Get it below market. You'll get it with no hormones, non-GMO, delicious, certified Angus beef from Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4,000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Good people, too. Would you like to start? Division I uh, scholarship. Division I scholarship. Seal <laughs> says guaranteed. If you if eat Stover you Farm eat Custom Stover Meats. Farms Custom Meats, and why wouldn't you? So uh, would you like to start the faith portion of the podcast? Do you want me to, or do you have something today? I have one little thing. Yeah, you start it. Um, I've been fortunate uh, to um, teach uh, an adult Bible fellowship class, a Sunday school class at my church, Northwest Chapel, periodically. I don't teach every week. I teach about once every six weeks. Can I I just say, do you teach or do you lead it? it, Well, I, I, I prefer to lead it. Okay. I prefer to because there's so much spiritual wisdom in the room. Sure, I, get I, it. I don't. Yeah. I don't teach. I don't do. I don't try to do a soliloquy. Sometimes I feel like I'm a what soliloquy. All right, explain to. I know what that means, of course, yes. but just in case somebody yeah. else doesn't out there. At two brute. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long-winded discourse without any <laughs> feedback from the audience. So a podcast, basically. <laughs> <laughs> from at least it's from my basement, not mom's. <laughs> <laughs> so in in our latest study it's the parables of Jesus and you know the parables of Jesus if you're a believer are pretty you can you can say you know they're pretty understandable on the surface I've found in teaching them that I'm looking for a deeper meaning and I find a deeper meaning and there's so much truth there in that the more you invest in the word and the more you invest in trying to find what riches are in here the more you will find and I just thought of something. We're all concerned about retirement. Um, you know, we all want to plan for our retirement. We want to plan for our kids' futures and all that. And I, some, God put something on my heart the other day, and it is that every amount you invest in getting to know God better, looking deeper into his word, that is the only absolutely 100% certain way to build an eternally secure retirement. That investment will never crash that investment will always bear fruit. And so I'd encourage you to, um, if you're if you're new to the Christian faith, if you'd like to figure out like, well, I don't really know what to do now. You guys have intrigued me. I'd like to know more. Pick up a Bible and get a Bible that has um, the New Testament written in red where it's Jesus's words and spend some time in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, the first three gospels, and just read the stuff in red because that's right from Jesus's it's Jesus's perspective, and that'll give you a perspective on um, what the Lord and Savior of our lives 
how he wants you to live and the wisdom that he had and brought to earth. There is a song by a group called Crowder called Red Letters, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that song. Um, I think that's great advice. It's like anything. I mean, what you put into it, what you get out of it, what you give will grow, what you keep, you will lose. So the one thing I know that people struggle with and it can be in a variety of ways, is temptation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially those of you that are new to the faith or, or at least intrigued by this portion of the program that Bruce and I talk about faith, and, and you're, you're investigating and you're looking at it, and maybe if you accepted Christ or maybe you haven't, I don't know. Well, we're here to encourage you, not discourage. I think... Part of the walking the Christian faith is to be constant encouragers and not discouragers. But when you're new uh, and you do accept Christ, then there's a celebration in heaven. And if there's a celebration in heaven, there's a disappointment in hell. (laughs) And there's a, um, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in spiritual attacks. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you become uh, a Christian, once you believe that, hey, I need somebody to fix my problems, to cover my mistakes, to cover my sins, uh, and you accept that, then guess what? You are not going to be left alone. In fact, you are going to be attacked spiritually. Yes, sir. And the Bible will tell you this, and it says this, when you are tempted— and you're attacked by temptation, whatever your temptation or whatever your weakness may be. For some, some it may be drugs, some it may be alcohol, some it may be pornography, some it may be cheating, stealing, whatever it is. Uh, you're going to be tempted. But the good news is, and this is promised in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, is that when you are tempted, uh, God will provide a way out so that you can stand under it. And you have to ask, but you're going to have tools to use. But I just want you to be aware that what's coming, once you accept uh, Christ and who God is and what God is and what has been done for you, then the attacks are coming. Why? Because Satan seeks to defeat you by tempting you to trust your own wisdom instead of trusting in God. And how many times have I fallen to that trap? Many in my life. Man, where I trusted myself. And I've made good decisions and I've made poor decisions. It's funny though, every time I made a good decision, if I go that da- go back and hold myself accountable to the decisions that I've made, all my goodly or all my good decisions were godly decisions. And that's where I held each thought captive to Christ. And I say, okay, wait a second. What is best for me or what would God want me to do? And when I put it in that context, I make godly decisions, which are 100% good decisions. When I make Chris decisions, I'm probably batting about 450. Mm. And when I make godly decisions, I'm batting 1,000. I heard a 
guy in our Sunday school class say a few weeks ago that the opposite of faith or trust, the opposite of that is not doubt. It's self-sufficiency. Yeah. Say that again. The opposite of trust is not doubt. It's self-sufficiency. Okay, what, expand on that. In other words, instead of trusting God, instead of having Self, faith, yeah. it's like, no, no, I, I got it. I got I'll got take it. care of it. I got it. That's where we make Well, that was a big mistake um, that I made when, when dealing with uh, sickness, where I thought I could handle everything with, with Stephanie and, and my kids. And the only time that I was able to be the type of husband and the type of man and the type of father that I wanted to be was to kill, as I referenced earlier, Frank Gans, that selfish beast and ego inside of myself thinking uh, nothing's going to break me. Well, something did break me. Uh, a recurrence broke me. And then I asked God to uh, take this from me and didn't necessarily show me the grace of a healing, but show me the grace of how to deal with what was coming down the road. And uh, I'm a better person for that. And it made me realize that the death of a loved one was not for nothing because I learned how to humble myself. I learned how to ask for help. And that's another thing I want people and encourage people to do. Any, any of your friends or family or co-workers that are going through a difficult time or or they're fighting an illness or disease and this is relevant because it's relevant to me and when you say this to them please tell me or let me know if there's anything i can do to help and when you make that promise to that person you better be willing to live up to it because when people used to say that to me i would say i got it Mm -hmm. I'd almost take offense to it. Like, what? Yeah. You don't think I can do it myself? You don't yeah. think? What an idiot I was. What an idiot. What a what a what an egotistical, selfish son of a gun I was. Because I was denying people the opportunity to do a godly service for me and my family. It's a, I'm embarrassed by it. Yeah. But I've grown from it. And, and God humbled me to where I say, yeah, here's what you can do. You can pick up the kids here. I can have a dinner here. And by the way, can you run to the store because I got a meeting? Could you take that and drop it by the house? Yeah, give people the chance to, to get serve. a blessing. Give yeah. people, God's laid it on their heart to serve. So that's uh, there's an art in receiving. It really is. So great it's advice. It's hard. Great advice. It's hard to receive, isn't it? Yeah. Especially it for yeah, we'd all two rather, guys sitting we'd in the basement. Give, we'd all rather give than receive. <laughs> At least it's sure. your basement. <laughs> At least it's mine. <laughs> Wisconsin, Ohio State, Browns and Bengals. We'll have a lot to talk about on our uh, immediate reaction podcast after the game on Saturday and on Sunday as well. Hope you guys all have a, uh, a great Friday uh, two night guys in the basement. and a great Saturday. They're going to get are, better than this. We are Spielman and Hooley. Maybe we should change We Tackle Life to Two Guys in the Basement. 